Sometimes life feels out of our control. We get stuck in trauma, old patterns, and change feels out of reach. Sometimes it feels like fate. We want to help you break out of old, unhelpful patterns and become healthier. We're fate resilience, taking control of the outcome. With licensed therapists, Jennifer Oxford, Taylor Madsen, Haley Mayer. Today we're going to talk about I'm tired. Just you? <laughs> I, yeah, I am very tired today. Tired? T- well, I mean, I am. Should we interview you on this topic or should we, we talk about the emotion? We, I thought uh, your name was Taylor. <laughs> that was such a bad joke. <laughs> Stay in your lane. <laughs> Dude, my clients knew I had the best dad joke. For a, non, for a non-male, I do pretty good. Tired tells us that our tank is empty. Tired can be also so many different things. We can say, I am tired physically. I am tired emotionally. I am tired mentally, spiritually. I'd even say that. So it's like all the areas of life, but in the end, they all translate into, I am tired and my body is just feeling it. Right. So tired is the accumulation of stress that we aren't meeting well. So this idea that things are going on in your life, good and bad stresses can happen and you're not taking care of yourself. You're not doing your self-care. Mm-hmm. Refer to episode one. Yeah. I like to think of it as like we, I think we've already discussed flooding, but maybe not, but flooding emotionally. Oh no, let's, let's, I don't think we've talked about it. Okay. So go back and talk. So about it. All right. if I had like my little, like I usually do this little thing on this board where on the board where I'm like, this is your brain. And then I joke, I'm like, this is your brain on drugs and like hit it, but I can't do that here. No. So your brain, there is this place. If you're looking at your brain, you're looking at from the side where you've got like the part that like dips down inside there. And you guys correct me if I'm using the wrong jargon or terms inside there is what we call the reptilian brain. It's part of the limbic system. That's in charge of the, what we've talked about, the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. The limbic system is the reptilian brain. Yes. Okay. So we've got the two names for it. So that back part of the brain, that inner part That is actually the oldest part of the brain in the sense of when brains were first in an animal, human, whatever, that was the part that started first. As people have evolved and as people have gotten smarter, that front part of the brain, the part that's like in the very front of your forehead, that part that's in charge of logic is called the thinking brain. That part has gotten more complex, more evolved. It's changed a bit. But that reptilian part in the back, that stayed the same. So when we're talking about flooding, Gottman's really great at explaining it. Flooding is when we have a lot of emotion where all of a sudden our brain, it does not understand the whole concept that if we are in danger emotionally, it is not the same as being in danger physically. So what we have to understand is that when our brain feels overwhelmed by something, the problem is that we, sorry, I got distracted. So when our brain is being overwhelmed and it thinks that we're in danger, it's going to take our emotional danger, the same as a physical danger. So we're going to go into the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. These are all the same as like with shame, moving away, moving towards going with it, things like that. Yes. The brain doesn't distinguish. Yeah. It doesn't know. And because to be fair, when you're in a crisis situation, the brain really can't have time to distinguish that. It's like tiger's coming at me. I'm going to fight, run away, play dead, or I'm going to go with the danger so it doesn't hurt me. But if someone's coming at me yelling, 
my brain doesn't know, are they going to be just doing this emotionally or physically? So it just automatically goes into like the physical. And as we're thinking about that, and we're thinking about this automatic response, Mm -hmm. no thought before it happens. Sometimes you don't even realize you've done something until afterwards when you're in your, when you're in your reptilian brain or the amygdala is the other term for it, is Mm -hmm. the neurological term for it. There's also that freeze response and that freeze response goes along with tired Mm -hmm. when we and we can't pick there's no moral there's no like when you're stressed out which response would you like would you like to fight would you like to freeze would you like to flee or would you like to fawn because I think a lot of instantaneous yeah yeah, a lot Mm -hmm. of people have shame that they didn't do a different I'm I'm masculine so I should do fight right or I, you know, I'm a pacifist, so I really should just not be near the conflict. Or I was attacked and I froze and I felt shame. How did I, I protect myself? Or I didn't yeah. protect somebody else. So, mm-hmm. so recognize you have no power or control over what you do and that there's no moral center to the amygdala. It's, mm-hmm. its job is to respond. So as we talk about this idea of tired in the realm of flooding, then flooding is this idea that your system is overwhelmed mm-hmm. with that stress chemical cocktail and that it is starting to shut down and you also don't have complete control over that. And I, that's interesting because you don't and notice too that the people you love, they may be flooded and they don't have complete control over that. Well, that's why the front part of your brain shuts down during that. The thinking logic part is because it's like all necessary functions are only being used in the amygdala, reptilian brain, whatever we're calling it, and all unnecessary functions just get shut down. So we literally have no access to that logic center during that flooded part. That's why when we're tired, we can't keep thinking through everything going on. Real quick, sorry, real quick with fawn, um, we also judge ourselves because we went along with the danger. When the bully is making fun of Susie in the corner for her dress being stupid, we didn't say anything. We, that could be us being like, yeah, uh-huh. or we're teasing her too. And we get shame from that too. So that's another response that fawn often, I think the reason the research has made a completely new response in fawn is because they realize it's not the same as freeze. So they had to have a different response because it was slightly different than that. We started talking about this back in the fear episode where different sections of the brain shut down. We lose like cue points. All of our sensory information goes through this reptilian brain first. That's why there's no moral center to the brain. That's why um, we're not thinking about the way we're going to respond first. Um, Everything goes through the fear center of the brain first, that part of the limbic system, the reptilian brain. And so um, we're already feeling a way about it. And we're trying to protect ourselves when we're in emotional or physical danger, which again, the brain doesn't distinguish between. And so there's, there's no thinking, there's no automatic thoughts like CBT says. We're already trying to protect ourselves and um, the more rational, the more higher functioning parts of the brain may have already shut off by the time we're there. Mm-hmm. Another part with that too, is that we talk about adrenaline in all of these parts, because think about it, like think of earlier civilization. If you want to think about a more simplistic time, I like to use the analogy of the tiger coming at you. Cause it's just pretty black and white or black and orange, <laughs> but <laughs> But what we do is often um, when it comes, when you have a danger coming at you, if you need to run, if you need to fight it, or if you need to play dead, 
fawning became something that I think has evolved with time that we, you know, we no longer have those brute forces coming at us so we can go along with the danger, especially if it's an emotional danger. But it also goes along with psychological manipulation versus physical fear. Yeah. It's like, okay, that tire's coming at me. I'm going to swerve right. I'm going to swerve left. I'm not going to do anything against it, but I'm going to use it against itself. Right. When we have that, our body increases that adrenaline rush, right? Because it needs to have enough power to get us to safety. So what happens is part of flooding too, is the idea of we're flooding adrenaline wise, because our body's looking at this. If you think of it again, another analogy, like a lawnmower or a car engine with a lawnmower. I remember you push the button to try to like put a little bit of gas in the engine. So that way you can then start it. It'll ignite. It'll go. If you flood an engine for a lawnmower, which I did a couple of times when I was growing up, you got to wait. It's got to literally come down out of the system and allow you to restart. And so the same thing with flooding in a, a body is the same thing. So when we're talking about preparing for a danger, we have this adrenaline that is just coursing to get us to safety. And then we either use it all or we don't, and our body has to release it some way. But that's why we can't sleep when we're tired because we still got the adrenaline going because of all these flooding things going on, or we just spent a lot of adrenaline and now we're just exhausted. When adrenaline hits our bloodstream, it uses up a great deal of the blood sugar or all of the blood sugar, Mm -hmm. which um, makes us feel incredibly exhausted. And uh, when we're staying up late or running, on no fuel, the brain creates a chemical that will help us stay awake when we shouldn't be awake. Mm -hmm. And then when we're trying to sleep, the brain continues to produce that chemical until we make a concerted effort to pay off that sleep debt, which is another reason why we can't sleep in those circumstances. Mm -hmm. So another thing that I think about when I think about tired is that we actually have a culture too, food-wise, that supports tired and running off of sugars chemicals like caffeine and those kinds of things and so as we notice tired I have personally experienced shaming I wasn't ashamed of it but other people told me it was wrong that I nap Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge caffeine drinker I won't say I never drink it but I'm not a huge caffeine drinker but my people that in my life who do drink caffeine just say well just grab a grab a soda or something like that and keep going. And so we have this culture that actually is this keep going culture versus this care concern culture. And here's the truth, your body, we just talked about flooding as the engine getting too much of what it needed or too much of that neurochemical, but the way we feed our body, if we're just feeding it sugar in order to respond to our neurochemicals, or we're just giving it a ton of caffeine, then that's going to affect our sleep cycle. It's going to affect our mood. We're going to be in fight, flight, freeze and response, otherwise known as hangry. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're going to be really irritable when we're not having to fight somebody or when we're being asked to move out of tired. So say I'm sitting on the couch, I'm exhausted from my stress. This is a real life experience I've had. And someone comes in and says, Hey, can you go to the store with me? And I'm like, go yourself. And, and that is my emotional response to tired. Mm-hmm. And so I talk to a lot of people as they look at what they want. And a lot of people are not realizing that they're functioning and feeding tired in, in the way that they show up in their body and in their health too. And so when we look at that, it's important to recognize that what you feed your body is going to determine energy. For example, protein is a better fuel than sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, we're intentionally keeping our body in this, um, we're intentionally keeping our body in this mode of, I need to be high performance essentially. Right. Which again, for danger, for dangerous situations, we need that. That's absolutely needed. Right. I like the way you said that Haley, cause you said we want to be high performance, but we're mm-hmm. not being high performance and tired. We're being high, re- highly reactive. Yeah. High performance experiences come from well-rested, well-fueled, mm-hmm. well-treated individuals. I guess I'll I'll disagree on one end of that because let's say telltale story of the mom whose baby's trapped under a car, the mom gets that burst of adrenaline. That's her being flooded actually, right? So that's her saying, I've got to fight. So fight meaning I'm putting a physical exertion into it. She may not be well rested or anything like that, but her body knows how to give her that bump, right? So it's the idea of in an extreme crisis situation, high performance is going to be whatever's going to get you or your loved one in that situation out of the danger. But you're right, because the problem is we're tricking our body all the time to say this is one of those moments when it's really not. And that's when we're getting that, you know, burnout. 100% agree. Mm-hmm. 100% agree that we, when we are in crisis, mm-hmm. the flooding works in our favor, but yeah. forcing flooding and with the idea of it will help me perform better. Yeah that's where we're missing the mark. And then what counts as what we should be flooding for, right? I'm going along with um, forcing flooding or just chronic flooding, chronic stress. Not all emotional or physical fatigue is equal. And I don't bring this up so that we're comparing ourselves so that we can wear it like a badge of honor, but so that we can have empathy for one another. So um, someone that missed three hours of sleep is not as tired as a pregnant woman. But somebody with cancer who's getting eight hours of sleep might be more tired. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Someone that has a chronic illness is much more tired than someone that probably pulled an all-nighter. And so when someone that has a terminal illness or chronic illness says, I'm tired, And you say, oh, yeah, totally. Me, too. I was up really late last night. Those two people are not talking about the same level of fatigue. Um, Someone with a chronic illness or a terminal illness saying that they're tired uh, wakes up from a nap or they had a good night's sleep. They wake up already tired. They don't ever get to have their tank full. That also goes along, though, with people with depression, right? People, depression, anxiety, things like that. Someone who has diagnosable I'm not saying this to like invalidate people who like, I have depression sometimes. It's like, I get that. But someone who has like chronic depression, which is a chronic illness. And I think, cause when you're talking about it, my mind automatically went to just the physical chronic illness, but that counts, right? Because Jen has a great analogy. She talks about with like, our brain just isn't able to like catch the different chemicals in order to help us not feel that depression. And some people, unfortunately, that's their lot. That's how they, you know, unfortunately, like the genetic lottery, they don't have those same receptors like other people, or it's not working as well or something like that. But so if we step back, what we're really talking about is because we can't go over every situation (laughs) is the physical, emotional stress load that we carry Mm -hmm. and that they, that they are all compounding when it comes to how our limbic system is responding, when it comes to the physical, emotional, spiritual, mental tire that we're experiencing, 
how we're performing those kinds of things. And so when we don't complete a stress cycle, right. And this is really important because what Taylor said about chronic illness is you can't complete a stress cycle. Right. But when you do have an illness and you can't complete a stress cycle, then you stay tired longer where if you can complete a stress cycle in the physical world and you could possibly get enough sleep, which isn't always possible for those chronic illnesses, you would be able to move back into your prefrontal cortex. But when you have emotional stress, that includes trauma, doesn't matter how long ago it was or how recent it was, it includes emotional connection or lack thereof. We talked a little bit about loneliness last um, episode. But these add to our emotional load and the emotional load is tired, not just the amount of physical energy spent. It's kind of like the check engine light. Um, you can keep driving with it on like I am guilty of doing. <laughs> or um, we can stop, we can do maintenance and make sure that everything is okay. We can put gas in the tank, we can change the Whatever metaphorically that would be for us emotionally, take a day off work, um, go get a, a physical, go get into therapy, whatever it takes so that we get out of that chronic fatigue state or a nap, like Jen was saying. Um, I really enjoy naps because it helps me a great deal get out of that state. And I'd say one of the, I guess, last thoughts before we close up with that, check to make sure all your biofactors are okay, right? Check to see, like, do I have any specific we've mentioned a lot of different you know disorders or different things that could be there check to see like health wise is there anything coming up um personally for me one of mine is making sure like i get really tense muscles and things like that and it makes it very hard to sleep i have to go get adjusted by a chiropractor i have to you know sometimes go get a massage and just be able to like really get that to calm down on its own because my muscles just tense up really easily. Um, I have to work out, do things like that. So that in turn helps my sleep. I also have to, like Jen was saying, just the physical factor. What am I feeling my body with? Am I using protein? Am I using sugars? What's going on? And so I think check those, make sure that you're feeling pretty secure with that. And then looking at all those other things of what should I be doing, like with Taylor saying as well of like, what should I be doing to really make sure my mental health is being taken care of? Because that is a huge factor when it comes to sleep, when it comes to feeling tired. And we're not just saying tired in the sense of like sleep. We're also saying just like burnt out, low energy. Tired can be shown in a lot of different ways, but especially with sleep, that's going to be one of the biggest things that we can do to rejuvenate that. The three of us lived in burnout at a place we all worked at together. And then leaving that place and no longer living in burnout, our quality of life greatly increased. And unfortunately, I, I think people would disagree in some ways when they hear that, because they would say, well, you have the capability to take care of yourself and do all this. If you have a constant burnout um, experience around you, Things like shame come into play, things like um, not feeling like you are able to validate that need or that people are comparing you to what you should be. Again, we're talking about like what should happen, all the shoulds. In the end, burnout is burnout. It doesn't matter if you brought it upon yourself. It doesn't matter if someone else brought it upon you. 
it is what it is. And unless you have an environment around you that's telling you, hey, you are allowed to take whatever you need, not whatever we as an organization have deemed necessary for you, but you are allowed to take what you need, you're going to have a really hard time finding what that need is. As we finish up here, I have a lot of thoughts about the empathy of how it feels to be in that tired burnout place and feel like, okay, so you're giving me the list of all these things I need to do in order to recover from burnout. And that actually might feel really emotional and you might feel flooded. Do it anyway. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I, I really recommend that you find something that reduces decision fatigue that you can plug into, whether that is showing up to therapy or doing it online if going one more place feels crazy to you yeah I know for me when I got more in control of my health having a program that told me what to do very easily versus gave me all these extra tasks really helped but also just that concept of having somebody else who was willing to go there with me that I wasn't trying to do it alone I think it's really important to recognize coming out of tired and Burnout is a process and we need support. Yeah. Have someone with you when you're looking at it. That's going to be one of the best things. Often they can let you know what you're missing. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Fate Resilience. We'd love to hear from you.